Hi, my name is Kirsten, and welcome to the Drama Therapy Going Back to the Roots of Healing podcast with Vow FM in collaboration with Drama for Life. In this series, we're diving into the power of art and what it means for our mental health. This is to shed some light on the tools that we have within us to cultivate our well-being. Welcome back. My name is Kirsten once again, and this is the third and final episode of our Drama Therapy Going Back to the Roots of Healing podcast, which is obviously a podcast of Vow FM. Now, we've been chatting in the first episode was very much about just kind of breaking down what drama therapy is and how its origins actually could very well have started here in Africa. And then in the second episode, we were chatting about the process of actually studying to become a drama therapist. And now that we've landed here in our final episode for the series, I really wanted to bring it into how you, whether you are interested in pursuing a career in drama therapy or treatment in drama therapy, regardless of whether those are things that you'd like to explore, how you can harness your own creativity to basically create a self-care and well-being regime for yourself. And so in order to do that, I'm very excited today to be chatting to the founder of Drama for Life, which, as we've mentioned, is where you study drama therapy in South Africa. I'd like to introduce Warren Neeby. And so Warren is not only the founder of Drama for Life, he's also a lecturer and curriculum developer. He actually lectured me this year whilst I was doing my honours. And one thing that I've really admired about him is his championing of this idea of self-care. And we'll get into the conversation now, but self-care does not only mean, you know, lying in a bubble bath and drinking wine. It does not have to be that very narrow idea that we have of it. Warren is going to break it down and blow it wide open for us. So without further ado, welcome, Warren. Thank you for coming onto the podcast. Thank you so much, Kirsten. It's great to be here. I am so glad that you are here with us. And so we're going to be chatting a little bit about the content of the courses, but obviously just in your own practice, what you have discovered for yourself as far as self-care. And then we'll get into the founding of Drama for Life a little bit later. So I want to kick us off with what is a seemingly simple question, but I'm sure that you're going to blow it open for us. Warren, how does play make us healthier? I love the question. Um, I hope I'm going to be able to answer it because it, <laughs> it just really does blow open the, the whole ceiling. I think that play is fundam fundamental to who we are as human beings. And we know from studies all over the world that children, that is the way they learn, first and foremost. But in fact, what we're learning from neuroscience is that if we continue to play into our adulthood right through until the day we decide to transcend and leave this world is that play is fundamental to our well-being and to our growth as, as, as humans. Um, and why is that? It's our ability to be able to think of possibility, to imagine, to step out of uh, 
one moment of reality into another. So what do I mean by that? Sometimes we get stuck in modes of being, in ways of living our lives, of doing things in certain ways. And in fact, what neuroscience is teaching us is that kind of repetition may be health, healthy in terms of stability and foundation. But actually what we need as humans is an ability to, to do things differently to step out into the world every single day to literally look out the window and see the world for what it is on that day you know mm. if you think of in very simple terms the light the sky the you know what 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 is what does this day present to me and how do i respond to that uh, so so it, it's, it's fundamental to our well-being. It's fundamental also in the sense that play, yes, we can play as individuals, but we can also play socially. So play teaches us about our relationship to the world um, and our relationship not just to other humans, but to the earth, to the living earth. Um, so trees and animals and plants. Um, as children, we begin that process, but that can continue, and we learn from indigenous cultures and peoples right across the globe as well, is that ability to intersect and relate comes from a space of play, which is about possibility, about openness, about spontaneity, um, and that increases the health of the person. So I was just listening to a neuroscientist um, and a medical doctor who's doing longitudinal studies on longevity, um, Irish woman, Roseanne Kenny, and she talks about, she was asked the question twice in an interview, what would you advise any age group to pay attention to if they wanted to live longer? And her first point, both times, were friends. Wow. The ability to cultivate friendship. <laughs> that is profound because it's all, it comes from a social perspective and not a biochemical perspective. And what we're learning from social scientists and neuroscientists and, uh, and medical doctors is that that social, that combination of the social and the body are absolutely critical. Mm. So cultivating friendship what a better way to do it than through play. And play doesn't mean hopscotch necessarily <laughs> or <laughs> pass the ball. Um, there are many modes of play and there are healthy modes of play but there are also unhealthy modes of play um, in our 21st century. And so the choices that we make, who we choose to play with, mm -hmm. how we choose to cultivate play with our friends um, and with play comes laughter and we also know from science that now more and more that we know is that laughter and humor is the best medicine in the world. And in terms of what you're saying, you know, this idea of playing and imagining and being with others, playing in community, I'm just thinking about, you know, people often have said to me in my drama therapy journey, oh, you study drama therapy. That must be for kids, right? Like, I know kids are going to love that. Like, kids will just go for it. And th it seems to be a perception. But... Firstly, I can see how that perception came about because everything that you're describing, I think we all have a little person in our life that we recognize takes part in these sorts of things that you're describing. But how it's so important for us to realize that drama therapy is for everybody and that's adults Ab included. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Um, I, I think that, that that attitude or that perception that you get and that many of us get that, oh, this is you, it's, it's fantastic what you do, really great that you do this for children. Mm-hmm. And of course, there are different approaches and modes in drama therapy and across the spectrum that use forms of play and all the rest that are applicable to children. But it's absolutely applicable to adults. Mm-hmm. And my own experience teaches me that adults are actually hungry yes. for the chance to imagine, to play, to connect. Wow. So now, speaking of this idea of play, how do we bring that into drama therapy? So drama therapy specifically, how does that make us healthy, especially considering that we seek out therapy when we are feeling particularly distressed? So I would, I'll come from this perspective that um, to think about what if, if, if I'm talking to your listeners now to imagine what it, what kind of forms of communication do you relate to best so how do you perceive the world do you perceive the world through sight or through audio or through words or through taste smell first what is your first channel that you start making sense of the world so for someone who who finds it very difficult to just sit and, um, and, and talk, and talk often in a linear narrative, I would say drama therapy is perhaps the space for you, because drama therapy is embodied. Um, yes, sometimes we sit, and sometimes we tell stories. Um, and I think that, that I, the way I would help explain is that we, through drama therapy, we invite people to find their stories through other stories. So there really is a principle of real-time Ubuntu happening in a drama therapy space where I discover my story through your story and sometimes through someone else's story, maybe a story that, was, that comes from ancestors um, you know, from a long time ago. Uh, and in that discovery, I find my voice, I find my ability to relate, I find my ability to uh, imagine, Mm. you know, what could my story, what is my story, how do I relate in terms of what what kind of stories do I relate to, and then what what if I could invent my own story, what would that story look like, sound like, shape, form, and if you think of contemporary society and particularly younger people, your generation, visual literacy is on the app. So, you know, everybody's on social media, all the rest. So, again, drama therapy offers that opportunity, a bridge into a world where you can talk and play and engage with um, your world in a way like you're creating your own film. Yeah. And when you become the editor of your own film and the scriptwriter of your own film, and you can do that with others, then you really are healthy. And you're empowered. You're empowered. Which is you so important. You become the agent of your own life. Sure. Amazing. I mean, I've heard all of this this year, but I'm hearing it again, and it's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> this is so great. So now, Warren, let's say I'm someone, I'm not thinking that I really need to go to drama therapy, so to say. But I'm wanting to boost my own mental health. And we know that drama therapy does look at the healthy parts of the purpose of the person. And that's because it, it comes from art. And mm. art 
aids our own healthiness. So if I were looking to develop a sort of self-care regime around art and play and all these things you're speaking about, how would I go about leaning into those parts of me? I think it's a really challenging question you're asking because first and foremost, <laughs> like we know that there is a pandemic of loneliness internationally, um, as particularly amongst younger generations and particularly amongst university students. We know that there's a crisis in mental health. We know that uh, there's a crisis in suicide. We were working on that uh, as a project earlier this year. A suicide rate has increased rapidly in South Africa. Uh, amongst young people. So, so yes to the need to find ways for mental health. And often it's not like I need therapy because I'm feeling alone and what else. I'm needing spaces, healthy spaces in which to connect, to reconnect with myself and with others. Again, going back to the question of friendship and loneliness and a sense of belonging. So... So we need spaces that will allow people to grow in that way and to engage without being psychologized or, oh, you've got a problem, when in fact maybe it's a social justice issue or it's just an issue of very poor social organization. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you, give you an example. Brownfontein, I think, is very poorly organized socially. It was better organized maybe 15 years ago. The reason why is that theaters were operating more. There were social spaces for people to go to. There are less social spaces. When you have less social spaces, what do people start doing? They start going to their phones. They start disappearing, becoming invisible, or they return to drinking holes. And we know that substance use is on the massive rise um, in spaces like this. Not healthy. So... In a way, I'm, what I'm, I'm throwing this question back at you in a way because I'm saying that it is very possible to create healthy spaces and where drama therapy or an, a drama therapy-informed approach mm. um, could play a vital role. I absolutely believe in this. I'm not just saying this. I th- believe it could play a vital role. Just at WITS, I think that we could change the culture of WITS within two years if you gave us the space and the financial support to do that. Yeah, because like you're saying, we need that, that social media. We've spoken about the social aspect of it now, and so uh, that uh, is a fundamental Absolutely. And, and I suppose I'm coming from the place of the negative first of going, or the deficit of going, there's a serious problem. It's not just about the isolation, the loneliness. It's about the social organization. It's mm-hmm. about the lack of social investment, the lack of managerial investment. I don't think our managers understand how serious this is, from our city council to our university leaders to I don't think they understand fundamentally what needs to happen. So what do I think on a very small level? Why do we not have uh, theatre, let's call them a theatre for social change groups, not even therapy, but therapy informed? Um, If we had spaces where young people could come together and talk about the things that really matter to them and start playing with that material and start making their own theatre and inviting friends to come and witness. Uh, there's another, there's another uh, thing that's come up in the state. There's one um, example. It's a story club. And what they do is, so there's a group of people that they work with and new people come in and all the rest, but they work with your story. And then you're invited to tell your story publicly. But it's like, it's not... 
quite—it is a performed, but you're not—you're not asked to be the great actor or whatever. You're asked to tell your story and to be a storyteller of your own story, mm. one story. And the power of doing that in a social club where people come, sit, have a drink, and listen to these stories is very profound. Playback theatre is another great example of people coming together and we have a group of performers who listen and then perform your story back to you. But your story becomes our story in the community. And again, that sense of, oh, we're connected, we celebrate, we hold each other. Um, I think that, that also groups that just focus on process and allow for intimate storytelling, for intimate playing, um, can bring people together and enable them to reduce stress, reduce anxiety, make friends, um, mm. have a sense of belonging, and start thinking about themselves in a healthy way. So here, here's the last point I want to make just around this, is that when we get to that place in drama therapy, we start going back to hope. And hope is generated by having a vision. If you don't have a vision of yourself and a vision of your, the world that you're living in, then there's very little chance of you being well. Yeah, you've got to be able to look towards mm, yeah. that future. Well, this actually leads us very well into a conversation about Drama for Life and how you came to be starting Drama for Life. And we have about two minutes left <laughs> to be able to do this. You know, these conversations are so rich. You can go on and on and on about them. But I want to ask you, Warren, what was it that led you to start Drama for Life, where people study this thing called drama therapy and also things like applied theatre, theatre for social change, playback, all these things that you're mentioning here? Very simply, I think in re retrospect, I, I realized that all the different things that I had done working in deep rural spaces in Botswana, in South Africa, in, and working in urban areas in New York, and the kind of people that I worked with and the kinds of different uh, art forms that I engaged with, that I'd been slowly dreaming of a center, a space that could um, hold these different professions and, and fields of study, but specifically also drama therapy and, and theatre as a healing force and a social change force. Um, and so uh, I, th I think, you know, sometimes chance happens and energy is right and synergy. And I was invited to, to stage a play in Southern Africa with lots and lots of money. And I said, no, it's a waste of time. And, and the funders didn't turn me away. They were like, why are you saying no? And we got into a big debate about training a future leadership, a future generation of people who could go out and do this kind of work. And that gener began, became an African dream. And so um, that's how it started. And it started with very generous, insightful people from other countries who believed that, that we could do it. Um, and, and, and so at the heart of Drama for Life is the idea of building a community, of building a place where people are open and free to engage and play and work and learn through play, sometimes in very complex ways and difficult ways, uh, because we reflect 
the society that we live in. And so we're not afraid to talk about the things that need to be spoken about. Um, and sometimes it takes a long time to process things. But I still think that it's a really important notion to build a community where there's enough trust, enough safety, enough play um, for possibility to happen. Sure. Well, Warren, that we are nearing the end of our conversation, but I want to ask you one more thing. I want to ask you for three words. And three words that for you describe where Drama for Life would want to go in the future. Because as you're saying, it's process, there's vision and hope, and there's so much that you you feel that it can do. So just in the future, whether that's tomorrow or five years from now or whatever, three words that are your dream for Drama for Life. Wow. <laughs> vision. Visionary. Uh, innovation and connection. Amazing. And that takes us about to the end of our time. Thank you, Warren, for your time here, for just enlightening us on this podcast. It's been really, really amazing chatting to you. And it also wraps up our podcast series. Sorry, Warren, did no, you want pleasure. to No, Thank you so much for giving space for what I think is a really important emerging profession. Absolutely. I mean, in my time studying just this year, I've glimpsed that and I'm glad that you could come and unpack it more for us or for somebody who's been there from the beginning. And so, yes, this is the final episode. And so we've been, I hope, unpacking some things for you. And often these things lead us to have more questions than answers. But of course, you can go onto the Drama for Life website. You can go and check that out on the Vits page as well and check out all sorts of stuff that they're involved in over there. And keep an eye on us on our Vow FM socials and other stuff that we do in collaboration with DFL. Other than that, my name is Kirsten. It's been great hanging out with you. Cheers for now.